Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohe Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we read Parshat Shmini, which literally means the eighth day. Um, and it tells of the inauguration of the Mishkan. And we're going to talk about that today, and then specifically what happens with Aaron's two sons, Nadav and Avihu, and their tragic death. So, Parsha Shmini opens, it's the eighth day, it is time for the Mishkan, the tabernacle that they've all worked hard to build and they've all given of their own materials and their own wealth to construct. It's finally time to inaugurate it. Like, this is really exciting, the whole nation's watching. Right? It's like, this is where we're moving to our new step of worshiping God. It's a really amazing moment. And Aharon is instructed, how does this process begin? Aharon is commanded to offer sacrifices, which he does, and he gets everything ready, and he does it. And then in the last verse in chapter 9, a fire of God comes out, and it, excuse me, it consumes the burnt offering and the fat parts that are on the altar. And then, all the people saw and they shouted and they fell on their faces. Please excuse the sounds of my dog Coco snoring in the background. I apologize, but there's nothing I can do about that. So the fire of God comes out and it consumes everything. And the people are so excited, right? They're jubilant there. They shout and they fall on their face. Like this is this incredible communal moment of joy, of meaning of celebration, of awe, everything. And then we transition immediately to chapter 10 when tragedy strikes. Aharon's two sons, Nadav and Avihu, they each take their fire pan and they put fire in it and then the ketoret, the incense on it, and then they offer it before the Lord with an alien fire, an Esh Zarah, which God had not commanded them. And we'll come back to that in a minute. And then immediately in verse 2 of chapter 10, what happens? Hashem, a fire came out from God, and it consumed them. And then Hashem. Thus they died at the instance of God. So they do something, they bring this ketoret, and God's fire comes out, and just like it consumes the sacrifices moments ago, now it consumes Nadav and Avihu and they die before God. Now, I wanna just pause there for a moment before we move on to the next parts of the story and just give a moment, give us a moment to reflect on just exactly how traumatic of a moment this must have been. Everyone is watching the inauguration of the Mishkan. They're excited. They know the significance of what this means, right? It's a great step for our people. And then, just as that, that joy and awe comes, immediately terrible, terrible tragedy strikes. And they're watching Nadav and, as Nadav and Avihu get killed by God and destroyed by God right before their eyes. Um, it reminded me of when the Challenger, uh, the spaceship that, that blew up shortly after takeoff, um, everyone had gathered, right, to watch this amazing thing. Relatives of, of the astronauts, just people, school children, everyone was gathered there to watch it, watch it on TV, watch it in person, and it takes off as this moment of jubilance and, and just joy and awe, and then it explodes. And everyone is still standing there and you experience this radical transformation in emotion just instantly um, and right before your eyes. And everyone is just standing there watching it happen. So given that, 
Um, we will just look, we're not going to be able to discuss the whole story inside, even though it's not many verses, it is incredibly dense and there's so much to say. And if we try to cover it all, it will just become too long and too distracting. And so I would encourage you to look at these verses in chapter 10 of Leviticus on your own on Shabbos and to consider exactly the different dynamics that are at play here. So Moshe turns to Aaron and says, oh, this is what God meant when God said um, that I'll gain glory through those that are near me. Aaron is silent. Moshe then calls Michelle and Elzaphan to come take the bodies out, which they do. And then Moshe gives Aaron and his remaining sons, Elazar and Itamar, the commandment that they may not go through the typical mourning process. They may not bear their heads. They may not tear their clothes. The Israelites themselves, they can wail. They can mourn. Nazavin Avihu, but Aaron and the sons Elazar and Itamar may not, and they also may not go outside the entrance of the Ohel Moed, lest they die. Now, so that's kind of pretty intense, right? This moment, it, it's very... It's very serious for Aharon. He experiences the joy of the initial part of the of the inauguration, then the horror of his children dying, and now he's told, you can't mourn, right? You're just kind of here. And you can watch everyone else mourn, but you yourself can't. And then we have the command of Aharon, then God speaks to Aharon and says that you may drink no wine or other intoxicant, him or his sons, atta that you may not, when you enter the tent of meeting, that you may not die. So, and this is a law for all the ages because you have to be able to have deal ben kodesh lechol, you have to be able to distinguish between the holy and the profane, and between the impure and the pure. So considering this story, it's, um, it's emotionally laden, it has a lot of ups and downs with emotion. It's terribly tragic, and yet at the same time constrains mourning. And it just contains this terrible, terrible public death. And so how we interpret this becomes really confusing because though it contains this terrible tragedy, it's somewhat vague in what actually happened with Nadav and Avihu. We know two things about what they did. They brought their own fire pans with an ish zara, a foreign fire, and that God had not commanded them. And we also know that after this whole ordeal, God turns to Aaron and says, by the way, here's a new rule. You and your children may not drink any kind of intoxicant when you enter this mishkan so that you don't die. And so we're left wondering, what exactly did Nadav and Avihu do that was so wrong that they needed to experience this tragic and public death? Right? What really happened? And I wanted to just consider one of the Midrashim that explains what happened, because I think it offers important insight for us in how we think about death and tragedy and the human experience of trying to make sense of these things. So first of all, one point before we look at a particular Midrash, the deaths of Nadav and Avihu are referenced in a few different areas in the Torah. Um, there are two examples in the book of Bamidbar, in the book of Numbers. Um, 
when it says that Nadav and Avihu died, and both times it references this Ish Zara, this foreign fire, which might lead us to think that that was actually the problem. And so I wanted to look now at a Midrash from Vayikra Rabbah in 28 and look at three different opinions of rabbis and how they tried to make sense of what happened with Nadav and Avihu. So first, Bar Kapara said in the name of Rabbi Yirmiyah Rabbi Elazar, Aharon's sons died on account of four things, for drawing near to the holy place, for offering for the strange fire and for not having taken counsel from each other. And then he explains for drawing near since they entered into the innermost precincts of the sanctuary. For offering since they offered a sacrifice which they had not been commanded to offer. For the strange fire that they brought in fire from the kitchen, not God's fire. And for not having taken counsel from each other as it said that they each took their own firepan, which implied that they each acted on their own initiative and didn't counsel one another. They didn't check with one another. They just each acted on their own. Now, what is Bar Kapara really doing here? Bar Kapara is looking at all of the different descriptions of what Nadav and Avihu, right? He's parsing out every word of the story of what Nadav and Avihu did. And he's saying, ah, it must be that each different word, each different clause of each of the verses teaches us something else that they did wrong. So that you end up with a picture of Nadav and Avihu. First, they went into the innermost part of the sanctuary where they weren't supposed to go, is implied. Then for offering, that they offered a sacrifice which they hadn't even been commanded and they brought in fire from somewhere else and they didn't even talk to each other. So you read Bar Kapara and you say, oh, wow. Nadav and Avihu, really, they, they really did a lot of stuff. They did everything wrong. And that doesn't mean that we necessarily rejoice in their death, God forbid, but certainly we can understand it because this was really a huge, I mean, this is just everything wrong. You can't have people like this, people who think like this, serving as Kohani. So yeah, God, I mean, God had to come out and kill them. This was just a terrible transgression of God's holy space. Then... That's his opinion. Then we move to Rabbi Yirmiyah And he says, the death of our own sons is mentioned in four places. And in every one of them, their offense is also mentioned, right? We said there are other textual references and it mentions the Eish Zarah. And he says, well, why is that? To inform you that they were guilty of no other iniquity, but this one alone. So Rabbi Yirmiyah takes he he takes a much different approach to this. And he says, why is there sin mentioned? He's not looking for additional reasons like Barkapara. He's saying, no, it's mentioned specifically so that you don't think there was any sin other than that one. So with him, you say, wow, they only did one thing wrong. And I guess that was enough to have them have to be killed. Then Rabbi Elazar Modi'in kind of expands on this idea a bit. And he says, on every time that God mentions their death, God also mentions their offense. Why was that? Says, to acquaint you with the facts so that people might have no pretext for saying that they had been acting corruptly in secret and that it was on account of this that they died. So Rabbi Elazar Modin expands on that position and says, why does the Torah mention 
their their offense every this HRI every time God men, the Torah mentions their death. It's so that you know what really happened. And that people can't be standing around gossiping or whatever and speculating, oh, that you know, Nadav and Avihu, they actually they were secretly corrupt, right? And it's really they they were doing this and that behind closed doors, and that's why they died. Nope. The Torah is not leaving you any space to speculate. The Torah is telling you exactly what happened. And I just, I find this Midrash really, really interesting because I, I think it addresses the spectrum of human reaction to tragedy. We have represented first in Bar Kapara's position that sometimes when tragic, thing ha- tragic things happen, some people, they search for reasons. They search for rationalizations, for justifications of all the things that person did wrong in order to deserve what happened to them. So it must have been that here are these extra words. They teach us all these extra sins, and that's why they died. That's how some people react. They have to find justification because then it helps us believe in a world in which bad things don't happen to good people. And if bad things happen to people, it must be because they deserved it. But then the next two positions, they really modify that extremely. And they say, no, that's not how we think. The Torah is telling us, the Torah is not trying to give us extra clues for other things Nadzev and Avihu did wrong. Rather, the Torah is telling us specifically, no, they only did one thing wrong. And that was enough for them to die. And we're going to make sure that you know that because we recognize the human nature is that people like to speculate. People like to talk. People like to find additional justifications, additional reasons for things to try to make sense of the world that they live in. But we're not going to indulge that aspect of human nature. We are going to control it. We're going to rein it in. We're going to make sure that it doesn't happen. And so we're going to, the Torah is going to be as explicit as possible to prevent the human imagination from making up any stories here. And I think that this is a very powerful construct of how we think about the story of Nadav and Avihu and what are the lessons, some of the lessons of the story of Nadav and Avihu. It's a very powerful story. And like all stories in the Torah, at least all good stories in the Torah, it's opaque. It doesn't tell you exactly what happened. doesn't tell you exactly what went wrong. I think that's to invite us to reflect on human nature, to reflect on ourselves, to think about how do we react when something bad happens? Do we try to rush to justify it and to explain it, to help make ourselves feel more comfortable with it? Or do we have to try to work to accept it and accept that the world is a difficult place and it's a painful place and to try to, to just sit with that discomfort? rather than make ourselves feel better. And I specifically wanted to talk about this on today, the day that I'm recording and releasing, it's Yom HaShoah, right? It's Holocaust, the Jewish Holocaust Remembrance Day. And we know that so many of the initial, at least initial reactions, thank God a lot of people have moved past this, where, well, it must be that if this terrible thing happened to the Jewish people, that they deserved it, that we did something wrong collectively with assimilation, what have you, enlightenment, in order to deserve this terrible thing that happened. But also, there have been plenty of people, both initially, and I think this is an opinion that has grown, that have said, no, you can't make sense of tragedy. That's the human instinct. But we have to fight that, especially here. But at all times, you have to fight that part of you that wants to say, ah, if something bad happened, we have to make sense of it in order to make ourselves feel better. No, the whole point is that you can't always make sense of things. And you have to recognize that 
and and really control that and, and become at peace with that. And so in honor of the memories of the six million people who were murdered in the Holocaust, I wanted to offer this this bit of Torah that's really, I think, a beautiful insight into human nature. Good Shabbos.